Hi there. Welcome into Better Advertising with Better AMS. I am your host, Justin Knuckles, joined with my co-host, Destiny Wishon. And today we'll sit with Kyle Lemke of Pet IQ to discuss the big takeaways from Unboxed back in late October. We'll also discuss how Pet IQ successfully uses data to track their customer lifetime values and ad spend across the buyer journey. Without any delay, here is our chat. Well, welcome in, Kyle. So great to have you. Hey, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat it up with you. Um, welcoming you in here as the Senior Director of Digital Marketing at Pet IQ. Um, just throwing it back to you, what are your uh, focuses um, currently right now in that role? Yeah, man, it's been a wild few years. Uh, I've been with Pet IQ now for just over three years. Uh, I've spent a large portion of that time actually kickstarting and leading our e-commerce sales team. Uh, so my background has actually been in sales up until just the last six, seven months where I made the jump over to lead our digital marketing team uh, here at PetIQ. Uh, we've gone through a few changes to try and position our marketing team to be digital first or uh, a little bit more modern in how we're going to market and engaging with our customers. And so my responsibilities tied to that have been really engaging with providers across the board to develop email marketing campaigns, build out a CDP, a CRM platform, uh, start leveraging um, some of our more traditional advertising tactics like Google PPC, uh, OTT, television, and bringing those into a more digitally native environment through working with new providers, building those into different platforms to make sure that we're reporting and attributing sales appropriately. So that way, when our leadership asks us what's going on with these spends at the top of the funnel, we can actually go tell them what's going on. Um, but it's been a, a wild six months now in this role of building out kind of those key pillars of spending efficiently, attributing sales correctly, and being present everywhere we can be digitally. That is amazing. That's very impressive. Just in and of itself in six months, that's a lot to bite off. Um, so kudos to you, my friend. But uh, given all that that you're overseeing, that's, um, you know, own properties like your website and marketplaces um, like Amazon, correct? It is. So uh, Pet IQ throughout our, our last, I'd say, five years. Really, e-commerce wasn't a conversation until about five years ago. Uh, that conversation was very small five years ago. Uh, it was, we sold some items on Amazon and it was maybe one, two to $10 million in sales over the course of those first two years, where about three and a half years ago, we decided to make e-commerce more of, more of a priority. Timing there was spectacular. Late 2019, actually October 2019, we really kicked off our first investment into Amazon advertising. We started investing with now Walmart Connect. We started investing with Roundell at Target to try and make our digital presence at our key retail partners big. We wanted to be present. We wanted to be discoverable and engaging with new customers. Um, again, that timing worked out well because about four months later, the only way to shop was online. And we had a little bit of an advantage over our competitors. Uh, since then, our e-commerce business has grown tremendously. Uh, with the majority of that still being done through retail marketplaces like Amazon and Chewy. Uh, but in the last six months, we've actually kicked off our first direct-to-consumer business. Uh, that's been a wild ride. It's been done in a couple of different ways. Uh, we're a Shopify house here. So we built out our first uh, D2C native brand called Foster. 
which is a premium pet supplements brand, kind of comparable to what you're going to see in the market with like a Zesty Paws or a Pet Honesty. And we wanted to give our take on that, our spin, uh, to provide an even more premium experience and just recently launched our first D2C platform. Uh, you're going to see that expanding to become an even more significant part of our uh, book of business going into next year. But as it stands today, we're in our infancy of D2C sales. That is amazing. How are you going about launching a brand like that kind of off-platform or off-platform, off-Amazon that is, um, in the direct-to-consumer side? Are you using you know, TikTok, influencers? Um, you know, what's really the, the role there to roll out a premium brand? It's all about branding at that point, right? It is. And it's about knowing our customer. It's about knowing where they're shopping, what their personal values are when they're looking at a brand. Um, and so if we look back at how did we determine that pet supplements was where we wanted to invest, right? That's a kind of saturated category. There's a lot of competitors already in that space. Number one, it's our bread and butter. We, we manufacture a lot of pet supplements as it stands today. So we know the category. Second, we wanted to venture into premium products. So that was a new opportunity for us. If you look at Pet IQ's assortment up until just until we brought Foster to market, it was we were always the best, second best option you could buy. Uh, right? We're a great compared to, we're an affordable solution to, to premium name brands. Foster is not that. We're actually one of the most expensive pet supplements that you can purchase today. And that's for a reason. And that was really done through, in the beginning, market research, surveying customers of these brands that stood today, as well as customers that were visiting our vet clinics to understand what they wanted out of pet supplements they weren't getting today. That led us to understand they wanted a premium product, even more premium than what they had today. They wanted something that was eco-friendly, not in a plastic container. They wanted something with ingredients that they recognized instead of fillers like, I don't know, whatever fillers we might put in there, we're using apples and bananas and blueberries and superfoods of that nature that you would use in your own daily supplement. So after we understood what the customer was looking for, we manufactured a product against that and landed on Shopify really just because A, it was easy and the lack of uh, very many web development resources internally. We figured that was a, an easy one to bite off with the number of plugins that they have. Um, and then bringing it to life was a whole different story. You mentioned TikTok. We launched our first TikTok account with Foster. Uh, that's been a ton of fun. We actually brought on a full-time dedicated TikToker at Pet IQ. Oh. Um, yes. She is the most creative person I've met. She just shows up with a cell phone and you wouldn't know yeah. she's working. Uh, because every time you see her, she's just walking around with her phone in her hand, recording you, recording a dog in the office or doing something fun. So social has been a big part of it organically. Email marketing has been a huge part of this. We've, we have a database internally that we've reached out to, to notify of the launch of this product. Uh, and then lastly, you have seen a lot of high in the funnel ad tactics like streaming television, display advertising, and then some traditional Google PPC. Oh, that's fantastic. You're actually, I think, one of the first people that we've talked to that's really utilized the new streaming TV and um, some of those new OTT abilities we have. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like the, the future of e-commerce now is, you know, we're all going to need social media stars on our teams. <laughs> can, I, can I rapid fire a few questions? Because I'm really, really curious. Something that I've seen a lot on my end is, how do you develop that org structure? 
Like there, there's so many different routes. And I think it's even more so now depending on where you've seen that early success. So if it's email marketing and TikTok, you need specialists for those platforms where it used to be, you know, like you said, like a general sales, general media role, yeah. you now have to develop those. So rapid fire, like how many SKUs would you say your team's managing? Uh, probably actively managing like 250 unique SKUs. Across how many platforms? We are in every retailer in the United States, um, as well as our own direct-to-consumer platform. And you have unique retail media, typically for those platforms. We've talked about Amazon, Walmart, TikTok, email. And then you start layering in display. What's your team size? We have, we have a pretty large team. Uh, so right now, if we looked at, at the digital marketing tree, you have a dedicated manager at each of these levels, right? You're looking at somebody who is solely responsible for email marketing, somebody who is solely responsible for social media, organic. You have somebody responsible for paid media. Uh, we call it agnostic. And then you have a representative for paid media retail. We have online reputation management. Um, and that is this tree. Beyond that, we have a whole creative team, right? That's dedicated to video, that's dedicated to social, to written content like editorials or something as simple as a social caption, what's going to resonate best with our customers. So that's that's kind of the, the middle level there. And then as you go below that, you will have some specialists that are dedicated to some of the day-to-day execution. Yep. Um, our TikToker, for example, she's the one who touches TikTok. Uh, <laughs> The person who manages Instagram, it's not necessarily a transferable skill. Paid yeah. media, retail versus agnostic, they work together for a kind of a holistic market planning, yeah. but they don't overlap in terms of what they're working on, right? Some Nick would be our, our um, retail manager, right? He's working with the Amazons, the Walmarts, the Targets of the world, whereas our national rep, Steve, is really pushing our... Um, Google, Meta, and such on on that side of the business. And it keeps going below there to get more specialized. It's insane. It's what it takes to actually build a brand, not just sell a product. Yeah, it's it's an investment. It's a time commitment. And it takes a lot of people working together in an open environment. I'd say that's one of the things that we've spent a lot of time fostering here. And that is making sure that we're all communicating openly. We have a huge open space that we kind of all work in. When somebody has an idea, it gets brought up to everybody out here. And we all kind of piggyback off of that, throw out our own innovative ideas as to how we think we can take it to the next level, who can take it to market. Just because you're the social media manager doesn't mean you can't have a fantastic creative idea that we need to launch into a Google PPC campaign. Um, So that open communication has been essential. That's awesome. That's an amazing culture. Yeah. And are, do a lot of these really experts, I should call them, come into this, um, you know, pet IQ with e-commerce experience, you know, copywriters, graphic designers, TikTokers, do they have e-commerce experience? Some of them, uh, right. We try to hire a, a good mix of talent, right? We want somebody who knows the industry and knows how to take something to market quickly. We also want something, somebody who hasn't done this before so they can have those totally organic ideas wild card ideas that six times out of 10, we're like, that was awesome. That's completely impossible. Thank you. Um, but four out of 10 times, you get something that nobody who's been in the weeds for so long is going to come up with. 
we're all focused on the tried and true. What works for us? Well, this is how it's been done. So we have a mix of, of uh, years of expertise on the team, uh, ranging from people who haven't graduated college to people who have been graduated for 15 years and more. Right. So we, you've kind of got a little bit of everything. That's a healthy blend. I mean, it shows in your execution online, it, it works. Um, but that's a good blend to have a little bit of rock the boat um, philosophy, but <laughs> you know, not too much. <laughs> Kyle, we, we've been friends, I would say for almost two years, I feel like from LinkedIn, like I remember having a conversation right after COVID and just talk about how crazy everything was. In your three years in your role, how much has the industry changed? And do you ever just look back and be like, how did I get in here? And how does that lead me to New York unboxed and all of that craziness? Yeah. I mean, looking back, my career started at a very small, like six person agency in Bentonville, Arkansas, dedicated to working on Walmart.com's marketplace. Um, we were so excited to work with Triad and put a banner on a category page. Like that was the coolest thing in the world to us. Uh, we were in PowerPoint, none of us graphic designers building something that would make it to site. And it was $3,500. Or maybe we just shook hands with the buyer and we were able to make it happen. Yeah. To where we're at today, <laughs> it's a different business entirely. If you're not signing IOs and meeting with your ad reps multiple times a week, there's opportunity left on the table. It's every single conversations and negotiation. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of big things that are both good and bad, right? You've seen customers flock to e-com, to purchasing online, or even if they're not buying online, they're researching online. They're referencing reviews when they're making a brick and mortar decision. Um, we are able to reach those customers in ways that we never thought possible. Um, I know if you've seen one of my video ads, how many times I retargeted you with a display ad and then how many times you saw my search ad before you actually converted. That's an insane amount of visibility that we have. Um, it allows us to make more educated investments than putting a banner on a category page. Um, I also, the, paired with that is the flip side, which is while, vend, uh, while customers are flocking to e-com, so are vendors, right? And so the biggest challenge I think that's come out of this is how do we stay agile? How do we stay competitive? And more than anything, how do we stay efficient when spending is increasing? Competitive spending is increasing at a, at a record pace. Um, and it, it pushes people to be scrappy. It pushes you to kind of go back to those ways of thinking that you had three, four years ago, pre-COVID when this, this big e-com shift happened to what are those black hat tactics? What are those long tail keywords that you can start to engage with that you haven't thought about in three years? Um, right. So I'd say those are some of the biggest changes just aside from the level of attention it gets in an organization. Um, e-com didn't have a seat at the table three years ago. E-com is the seat at the table today. Right. And that's, that's such a wild transition to see over such a short period of time. Yeah, the resources poured into that department now are just exponential compared to where they were a couple of years ago. I've seen it across many companies like yourself. Yeah. It's not slowing down. I think um, that's the hardest pill to swallow, in my opinion, is even just being marketplace experts with Amazon and Walmart. I mean, there's not a week that goes by where there's not a new rollout. Yeah. So, of course, there is like 80 20. And then I do feel as if there's times where it's like paralysis by over analysis because we're just, we're given so much more. 
It's not like an incrementality test a few years ago. We actually have the mapping to say, hey, this display ad to this, to this, to yeah. this conversion, this LTV. It's like, how do you activate on that? How do you figure out how to visualize the data and then make it super actionable? And it's not going to slow down because there's always going to be a new retail media platform. There's going to be a new social platform that's going to gain traction. I think it's going to come down to who can move the quickest. You know, yeah. systematic agencies used to do incredibly well. Now we're going to be in this position of you just better be really smart and really quick learner. <laughs> Right. I mean, to your point, I, we would build a, a campaign that we felt 100% confident in. And then three weeks later, we'd find out about Thursday night football. We'd find out about <laughs> Spanish language preferred advertising, right? There's yes. all these opportunities that just pop up. As soon as it feels like we've signed an IO, it's like, wait, hold on. Hold on. We need to revisit this. And so it makes it, it, makes it challenging. You throw right. in a few holidays. <laughs> last year, now we're just throwing in like all these different, different things. Well, and it, and it pushes, right? At some point, there there has to be a point of uh, what we've been trying to understand is what's that point of too much uh, yeah. promo, right? Yep. You've for for our category specifically, you have National Pet Month, you have New Year New Pet, you have uh, the kickoff of some of our peak seasons that are usually accompanied with some sort of event. You have National Pet Day on Amazon. Then you have uh, Prime Day. Then you have Prime Day 2. Then you have Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You have Holiday. At some point, you're on deal so frequently that you have to understand what's the, the cost associated with that. Um, and so that's been one of the interesting fields for us to try and navigate. Now, candidly, that's more on the retail side of our business than it is the marketing side. Um, but it impacts everything we do when we're looking at when do we want to be on? When do we want to be really on? Uh, there's not really any off periods, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting field to navigate. I'm curious with a team like that. I mean, like we're talking about how big e-commerce has become um, a share of the pie um, in a company lately. How do you go about, you know, pitching all these new features and ro- programs and rollouts to to the larger team saying, Hey, with a little bit more budget, we could do this really cool new ad type. Um, how do you go about that conversation? It depends on the activation, right? Some of them are easy sells. Some of them are easy sells, right? If we can assign a ROAS metric, that's an easy sell. Our CFO is never going to look at a three to one return and say, don't do that, right? On the flip side, looking at something like TNF, Thursday Night Football, there's not a ROAS metric assigned to that. That's tangible, Right. Some of that's done through communicating, hey, what's that incremental audience look like for us? Who are we reaching through this activation that we aren't reaching in what we're doing today? And how can we then build them into our retargeting, right? That's one way to sell it in is the incremental audience. The other way that we're going about this is actually trying to assign some sort of attribution. Um, Now, being able to, to truly report on attribution at all levels of the funnel is... That's the billion dollar question, right? Somebody one day will figure it out. It's probably not going to be me. Um, But that leads us to start relying on education, right? And as we take this back to our executive leadership team, it's looking back at that funnel and outlining that on even just a sheet of paper for them. Uh, Saturday, I spent the night with one of our our leadership members, uh, literally on my notebook, drawing pyramids and showing look, this is what we do here, here, and here. And some of it is showing like, hey, ROAS is a metric, but it's not the metric, right? Click-through rate is important, but that doesn't mean a lot to a CFO, 
right? And cost per detail, page view. Now, who's that really benefiting aside from our Amazon account manager? So we've started to look more at lifetime value. Um, what is that customer acquisition cost? I'd say those are two of the metrics we're starting to look at more today because if we can lower that customer acquisition cost by an increased investment somewhere else in this test environment, or we can increase the average order value, or we can get that customer to subscribe to our product, we're able to use kind of this, this huge bucket of data in front of us to start piecing together that complete picture of, of what this advertising is doing for us. That is the million dollar story to to tell a CFO is, you know, the lifetime value and coming up with that number can even be harder. But um, yeah, I mean, how have, how have you guys gone about doing that? Well, we have a lot of 1P data that allows us to actually go in and, and calculate that, um, right? Because we have PII information that we can use to understand who is purchasing what, um, right? That's helpful. Now we can extrapolate that, which candidly is what we do in a lot of scenarios. Uh, where we don't have that type of information. Some retail partners have that information in some capacity and you can kind of back into that. Amazon's a great example. Um, Amazon has been really transparent with us about what is our lifetime value of a customer and what does that look like for a customer that was exposed to X, Y, and Z levels of advertising. We've actually been able to get really granular with them when we're challenging them with these specific questions. Um, but beyond that, our D2C platform has allowed us access to those 1P insights, which we're using to kind of make educated uh, hypotheses at other channels. It's not apples to apples, right? But understanding, hey, we, for example, subscription is a huge factor in this consideration. We know that, for example, one of our customers who purchases on a non-subscription transaction is probably going to come back based off of category statistics one to two times a year to keep their pet protected. We manufacture pet medicine. So they're going to come back one or twice a year. Great. Whereas a subscription customer we know is worth four or five X that. Um, and so we're able to say, hey, the percentage of our business today, that's subscription. If we can increase that, we can increase the average lifetime value of our shoppers by X. Um, so there's some back end uh, manipulation of data that can help you get there. It's not something that is going to be concrete, but it's directional enough that I think you can feel confident taking it to a, your manager. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing how, you know, how it's done. Um, everyone seems to have a different kind of way of doing it, whether it's by SKU, whether it's by marketplace. So um, that was really cool to hear. Um, with all that being said, um, talking about these new you know, marketing um, initiatives, maybe coming to Amazon, what are your guys' plans for, for Q4? Any big promotional pushes? You know, we talked Black Friday, Cyber Monday. What are you guys planning for Q4? Well, you know, it's a uh, we have a much less exciting answer than almost any other brand you'll possibly ask that. So for some context on, on Pet IQ, uh, we manufacture pet medicine, we distribute pet medicine, um, and we have vet clinics throughout the United States. So we actually provide vet care uh, to customers across the country. Um, what you'll see is right about today, customers <laughs> stop buying things that aren't toys for their pets. Um, right. When you're looking at flea and tick, that's our primary business. When it gets cold out, fleas and ticks kind of go into this. It's not technically hibernation, but they aren't active. Um, so customers stop purchasing it. They're not going outside as frequently. So for us, you see us get a little bit more, um, 
a little bit more education heavy, right? This is our kind of, let's put our heads down and what can we do to educate our customers between right now and February 15th, that's going to tell them what they need to purchase for next year, um, right? Mm-hmm. So taking advantage of this kind of slower period where we all have a second to breathe in between budget planning to say, hey, we know that the customer for our brand Capstar has been using the product incorrectly. What can we do to better get the correct message in front of them so they can make a better decision to purchase the product next year and leave a better review? Um, right. So that's really what you'll see in these next few months. Now, obviously we have Black Friday, Cyber Monday coming up. Um, if you guys are looking for a chance to buy Foster, that's going to be a great time to buy Foster. <laughs> well, I hope you have a chance to try it out. The grass saver or the lawn saver is spectacular. It's actually completely fixed my lawn. I am shocked, uh, but it's, it's awesome. That is crazy. I can't imagine just everything that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis and pulling it all together in as clean of a fashion as you all have. Like everything seems so buttoned up. And I know that's always like the external is like, oh, wow, they have everything together. But I mean, that's so much to manage. And I feel like you all have done such a great job of really describing, you know, what that funnel looks like, driving that awareness, the conversion, like everything is came together so well. Yeah, the the team is full of rock stars is really what it comes down to, right? We've we've tried to foster that environment of open communication. Love what you do. If we hired you to be an expert at X, I want you to focus on X because I know that's where you're going to enjoy delivering. And that if you enjoy what you're doing, the results that we're going to get are so much greater, right? And so when everyone's passionate about it, and I can't speak more highly of our executive leadership team for trusting us and giving us opportunities to test and prove ourselves over and over again, um, right? That doesn't mean we win every time, but we're quick <laughs> to own up when we don't. We're quick to learn and pivot and provide a recommendation as to what we could do better. And I think that's, that's a huge part of what's put us in the position we're in today. That's awesome. So cool. Well, you mentioned it earlier um, about going to Unbox. Uh, this is kind of the last question here for you, but um, you and Destiny got to go have the fun seeing all the new features and news from Amazon um, in New York last week. Um, but what were some of the biggest takeaways you had at the event um, at Unboxed? No, it, there was so much information covers. I'm sure Destiny can attest to, right? We, uh, I feel like I go to trade shows frequently and I kind of plan for this to be one of those two, three hours a day. I'm doing something the rest of the day I'm working. This was not one of those events. This was in presentations. This was engaging with uh, industry leaders. This was learning from the best of the best for more than eight hours a day. That was just the time at the event center, right? So the amount of information we we were able to be exposed to, I can't even say we've digested it yet, right? But be exposed <laughs> to was incredible. Some of the most exciting things I would say for us were, number one, the emphasis that Amazon, I mean, it's an Amazon event, right? And so focusing on what Amazon's doing is providing access to information. Their improved reporting was without a doubt the most exciting thing. Uh, Between Amazon Marketing Cloud, the Amazon Marketing Stream, the information that we're able to access through these programs, and then hearing some of these, you know, examples of how they're being used by some of the best, like PepsiCo, Allison Dempsey provided a fantastic presentation as how they were using it to plan their spend. Um, Amazon Marketing Cloud is 
one of the coolest things that we took away out of it, honestly, we just brought on a data science team. And so they all know SQL and they're just ready for an opportunity to use it. So this is one of those opportunities to, to do that. The other thing that I'd say, like the, the second major takeaway for us was the importance of retail networks when you're looking at an ad plan, right? It's easy as a marketer in a general marketing seat to look at everything in front of you and go with the tried and true. Meta, Google. Right. Those mm-hmm. tried and true. Every marketer invests there. Maybe we're going to dip our toes into Bing, maybe. But really where you're seeing this, what's traditionally viewed as an investment into a retailer is actually becoming an entirely new media network. The inventory for streaming TV, for example, that you could go buy from the same media networks over here, but get very little reporting. You can purchase from Amazon for a comparable rate. And have that start to finish customer journey uh, map laid out in front of you. And so, again, I, I say all that and hear it, and it just comes back down to the access to information. And I think the the emphasis and the energy Amazon is investing into building out that data and our access to it. That's the most exciting takeaway for a for a data driven marketing organization. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw it over to you, Destiny. What were some of your biggest takeaways last week? Uh, I, I will echo everything that Kyle said here. I think from our perspective, there's just so much. And I think what we've tried to really do a better job of is the education piece of this is cool. This is awesome. You don't have the support for it just yet. So here's what that looks like. Here's how you kind of plan for that 80-20 and kind of build the rest of it or find the team that can help build the rest of it for you. Because Amazon's development team and product teams are moving at a quicker pace than ever before. Um, You have all of the big rollouts on the data side, and then you combine all the small rollouts on the brand side. Like Every single product team was pretty much out unboxed. I mean, you could go talk directly with the sponsored display video team. You could talk with OTT. You could talk with sponsor brands, the new sponsor products, brand metrics, every buzzword from Amazon advertising. You could talk directly with the product teams and their roadmap is insane. So when you're looking at how you can make a sponsor product better, you're going to have 12 more levers you can pull. Same thing for all the other ad types. So I think it's kind of like this fine line of still like balancing the 80-20, getting the right data to have those informed insights, whether it's through a partner or whether it's being able to build out your internal team and then moving quick and testing and failing fast because you do, you have assets that we've never had before and we can directly access them. So it's a lot. Well, I'm excited to uh, to talk to you again, Kyle, once your your data scientists get into some of these reports and new data that we're getting. Um, and you guys can, you know, try out some new things. Love to talk about it next time. Can't wait. Hopefully you have some exciting stuff to share. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, man. I hope you guys have a great rest of uh, Q4. And uh, like I said, we'll chat next time. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs>